0: Hello everyone, my name is Joshua Gilliland. I'm one of the founding attorneys of The Legal Geeks. And I'm here with Gabby Martin and we're going to discuss the fourth and fifth parts to Crisis on Infinite Earths from the CW superhero shows, which let's be honest, we all love those for different reasons. Uh, (laughs) This episode uh, is brought to you by Unlock Stories. I had the great privilege of writing one of the chapters in that book, which is an anthology story uh, series about a smartphone that gets lost and found and each protagonist interacting with a different app. My app is The Veil and it gives the user the ability to send text messages with the dead. I had a lot of fun creating it and it's available on Amazon and Apple Books. And if you wanna check it out, please do. Had a lot of fun uh, with that project and, and did it with a good friend I grew up with. So with that, Gabby, how are you doing?
1: I am okay. I am still kind of absorbing crisis and kind of not sure where I stand on some of the, the decisions that were made. Um, but yeah, ready to talk about crisis and how it ended.
0: So we can talk about what might be therapy for both of us uh, at the end. <laughs> so we both need a support Corgi uh, that that might. Uh, We can talk about that because I I did reread the comic beforehand. So I do have some strong feelings. Uh, Well, let's talk about the legal analysis because people like us because we're lawyers. So (laughs) so, so point one, let's talk about the monitors liability for creating the anti monitor and uh, this is this differs from the comic and we'll talk about how that differs after we do some of the the legal analysis. But it's 10,000 years ago on his home planet with his wife and they're doing an experiment so he can go back to the dawn of time. And by doing that, he creates the anti-monitor so it's in his own image. So that raises experiment liability of, you do an experiment, something goes wrong, what's your, Legal risk for doing that, and Gabby, what's what's your thoughts on the monitor creating the anti-monitor?
1: Yeah, that was that was an interesting take because it's you know we had talked about before how um, Pariah slash Nash had created you know had to let the anti-monitor out and like what his ramifications for that were, but this is really creating the problem. You know what Nash did was just kind of un un, un, un uncap the bottle. Um so there there's the idea of of whether this problem was reasonably foreseeable. And so did um Marno slash the monitor um could he reasonably foresee that going back to the dawn of time or attempting to go back to the dawn of time um would create this problem where he'd get sucked into this kind of like antimatter universe and create the antimatter um or the anti-monitor? And so determining whether a defendant breached his duty of care um, and by acting below the standard of care, the court has to determine whether the risk was foreseeable, which I did a whole kind of dive into to Paul's graph and reliving Paul's graph, which was, which was a lot of fun for me. Um, but if it, it is unreasonable
0: to see- Safe place, <laughs> it's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's actually, if you have not seen the Lego reenactment of Paul's graph, Every law student, every lawyer should go see it on YouTube. It's brilliant. It's cinematic excellence and everyone should watch it. But um, reasonable for seeability is kind of a broad term. So the risk doesn't have to be probable or likely to occur. The probability question is applied later. An unlikely risk, which I think this is what you have here, is an unlikely risk can still be foreseeable they kind of knew that something bad was going to happen i mean you're going back to the dawn of time you don't know what's there they didn't seem to be very aware of you know kind of the dawn of time it's not like you know in in doctor who where you see the doctor go back to the you know stone age or the dawn of time and it's it's very kind of like concrete they they seem to be going to this like before the infinitude type of type of thing and and his wife even tells him that there's she alerts him to that there's this possibility that he has to retreat and he doesn't so he knows that there's this risk of something bad happening and he still goes through with it so i think that the risk whether he could specifically foresee this whole anti-monitor being created and anti universe probably not likely but the likelihood is that this wasn't, that something going wrong was a foreseeable risk.
0: Yeah. And apparently this society doesn't have time travel stories where things go sideways when you kill a butterfly and suddenly the fourth Reich is now running the world. Like they didn't have that moral story. Sure. Let's go back to the dawn of creation and hope we don't make any boo-boos that could alter reality as we know it. So, also,
1: my question was, like, why? what was the point of going back to the dawn of time? Was it just to, like, say that you could? Or it, it seemed very ambiguous what their goal was in going back to the dawn of time. It was, it just seemed, because it, it seemed like they, they were well-versed in time travel. It just seemed that particular point, and that may have been a plot hole, that they were just like, we have to have them go back to the dawn of time. Um, but yeah, it seemed like, what else were you going to accomplish but create?
0: In part, it's inspired by the comics, and this is where there's differences. Uh, So in the comic, uh, we can talk a little bit more about this, it's, you know, uh, Krona on Oa, you know, is doing his experiment so he can see the creation moment. And Mm -hmm. Pariah on his Earth also does that, and that's what alerts the anti-monitor to the existence of uh earth in in, in priya's case which ended badly for his entire earth and what they did in the cw was they merged krona's experiment and priya's experiment and instead of that creating the uh instead of corona uh, creating both the monitor and the anti-monitor it's the monitor basically pulling from both experiments yeah creating the anti-monitor and that was just again for the like the comic purist mm-hmm. it's like oh, it's very easy for like you know comic book guy to go off the cliff going like well that's different and i don't like it <laughs> uh on the flip side it's like uh, i mean, like i understand why they did it but i wish it. i just wish it was different somehow mm-hmm. because uh, i'm not opposed to it being different because of budgetary constraints or because of you know, we don't have Green Lantern and Oa in the mm-hmm. CW shows. Like we don't, and like that would have been any helpful. And the way they changed Priya's origin also, like, kind of eliminated that possibility. So they just kind of fused everything into the Monitor, which, from a budgetary point of view, and having five episodes as opposed to a twelve-month series, I completely get. Uh, but it did leave me feeling hollow. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, uh, I just, I wish they they had just done that differently. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, going back to the legal analysis, I think there's a good argument that this is an ultra hazardous activity. So like, we're not even dealing with the realm of negligence, yeah. that there's strict <laughs> liability here that, This, you know, something so dangerous. And like the, Mm -hmm. you know, like the traditional example is, you know, the guy who decides I'm going to get rid of the tree stump in my backyard with dynamite. Mm -hmm. And when they (laughs) use the dynamite, the tree stump goes ballistic and then lands on the neighbor's car and crushes it Mm -hmm. or crashes through the house. Like, well, you know, the court case is going to be real quick on that. It's like, that's all on you, dude. Yeah. All on you. And I think there's a good argument with, you went back to the dawn of time, that's an ultra hazardous activity. All the damages are strict liability.
1: Yeah, because I think there's something to be said of like, you are messing with the creation of the earth. It's not, it, it, it's kind of more severe than just kind of like a butterfly effect. It's It's like you are going to where everything started and your mere presence there could create a problem so the fact that you not only go but also like start looking around and don't leave immediately that's you know you're there to create problems like there's no reason um to be there so by doing by messing with the creation of time in any way i mean the, the test the factors that the, a court would look at is the relative possibility of harm well yeah you're it, if you step back you're <laughs> yeah. going to be messing with 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 the creation of time you know the level of seriousness uh the entire fabric of the universe could be changed um and this one's interesting. The level of activity most person people would not regularly engage in ultra ultra hazardous t- activity. Well, yeah, no kidding. Most people aren't going back to the dawn of time. <laughs> like that's just off limits territory. It's like we'll go back to the cavemen, but we won't go back to the, to the dawn of time. And um, you know, whether the risk outweighs uh, the activity outweighs its social value. What? They never explained why they were there. What social value did they have by going back to the dawn of time?
0: It's this towering ambition, which is why his wife found him it attractive. <laughs> it's like, ah, no, no.
1: So, and then, you know, the court would also look at, um, in the inappropriateness of the activity in the area where it's engaged, i.e. Taking down a tree with dynamite or going back to the dawn of time. Like, both of those activities are relatively inappropriate.
0: And, and this was also different from the comics because, like, uh, you know, Krona or Chrono, like, basically opens a window. So, like, mm. he doesn't go to the creation moment. He's trying to see the creation moment. And Pariah is kind of the same. So, like, they're not trying to become an active participant. in the creation moment. They're trying to learn, like, so it's like, it's a educational, scientific, you know, experiment to figure out how did, you know, existence begin, as opposed to, I'm going to set foot there and see what happens. (laughs) (gasps) It's like, hold
1: hold my beer, let's see what happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What could go wrong, go wrong, go wrong, go wrong, yeah, Yeah. so... (laughs) Well apparently a lot. Yeah. And again they, they apparently mixed all- he's
1: an idiot in whatever universe he exists in. Because he still creates the anti-monitor. Which I, I thought was the lamest waste of, of screen time for them to go do this whole expedition to convince him not to do it. And then it's like poof. And he's like he has towering ambition wherever he is. So I just found a different one.
0: Yeah, which again, difference with the comics, Oa only existed in the Earth-1 universe mm-hmm. because of you know the experiment that inadvertently created the multiverse. Mm-hmm. So there was only one choke point. So in the comics, when they do like the, the two-part mission to stop yeah. the experiment, it's all the supervillains going to Oa you know, X millennia ago to try to stop it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when they're taking on the, the the race that would become the guardians of the universe, um, it doesn't go well because they're quickly stopped <laughs> because uh, they, they take on a power set way beyond their, their own and they're incapacitated. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't work when there's a multiverse uh, and unless you're going to go stop all of yeah. the multiverse yeah. in order to stop that uh, ign- you know, ignition from happening.
1: Yeah. On
0: the flip side, if there was just if that was the one spot, there's the choke point and you can stop it. It doesn't work when there's infinite choke points because that means there are no choke points. So um, it's part of the reason why the I really didn't care for the fourth episode except <laughs> for the end. Uh, but let's talk about Ollie having his, you know, deal with the Monitor, Mm -hmm. which was to save Barry and Kara in last year's crossover event, Mm -hmm. where the Monitor's just being a jerk. And again, Mm -hmm. he didn't... uh, Again, just different than the comics. uh, Because there's a difference between being cold (laughs) and just this mercenary with like hey let's go cause all these problems in order to thin the herd to find the right heroes to save the day it's like
1: really that's like i'm just gonna be a jerk to test you guys because that's what i do
0: (laughs) yeah and i i don't know if this is like a like a gen z thing like for storytelling purposes or or what this is supposed to represent but i just Again, I didn't care for that from a storytelling perspective. But let's talk about uh, the fact that Oliver had a deal with the Monitor in order to save Barry and Kara from certain death and the situation the Monitor created with the Book of Destiny. <sighs> Comics. And uh, him running around doing all of his little missions for the Monitor. So, uh, what, what are, you know, help us understand this this binding contract issue
1: yeah this so-called um devil's bargain that that barry calls it he's like oliver why did you make a devil's bargain with the monitor i was like who uses that language first of all um but yeah so so the way back in in elseworlds the last year's crossover um barry and kara are set to die um and oliver's you know goes on a confrontation mission to the monitor and he says that's not happening like you can't you can't kill off these heroes of hope and so the monitor tells him that balance has to be maintained that you can't just like ask me to do something and not you know have something given in return so um he actually says one change requires another and how do you propose i keep the balance so initially the deal that we see in um, Arrow, when the Monitor comes to collect Oliver, the deal that was struck was that Oliver would give whatever the multiverse required to save, to, for the multiverse to survive the looming crisis. And so it's not till that particular episode that the Monitor's like, yeah, by the way, that means you have to die um, to save everybody else. Um, so so the deal there, the so, it depends on how you look at it. You could kind of see um, Oliver's exchange as, as a counteroffer, um, but it's also a, a contract, whether you consider Oliver's request a counteroffer, it's an offer, you know, Oliver is requesting that the monitor give him something. He's giving something in exchange for something. Um that's that's what a contract boils down to is something in exchange for something. Um and so uh the monitor gives him the magical arrow to save Barry and Kara and destroy the book of destiny or somehow defuse it. Um and and then Oliver gives him his life in exchange. And so it's a promise in exchange for a promise and and I think it's it's definitely a binding contract because the monitor performed his side of the contract, and then when the monitor comes to collect Oliver, he has to perform on the promise or else he's in breach of the contract
0: yeah, it's weird um let's uh, <laughs> let's let's look at the issue of. When we see Earth Prime, mm-hmm. you know, so <laughs> Earth's one and 38 have merged, which will make, well, and whatever Earth Black Lightning was on. So yeah. three Earths have merged together. Which like, will we're make,
1: making the crossovers easier.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, in the comics, the multiverse was completely destroyed and there was only one Earth left, that everything was merged into one. So again, that's different because we still have the multiver- a multiverse left. Mm-hmm. It's just the one with the heroes that we will see on the CW are now easier to see and yeah. people can go visit. And and they've we, clearly forgotten about this whole other
1: multiverse that came back into existence. So they think they're the only ones. <laughs> yeah,
0: just, hmm. um, anyway, so we have Lex Luthor re- rewrites himself as like a nice guy. And it's like, he did bad things (laughs) really bad things so is that destruction of evidence to rewrite yourself in a new reality as the hero as opposed to the villain and well if nobody knows him as the villain except for you know the surviving paragons it's not destruction of evidence because it's an entirely new world Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now there is an interesting issue with the DEO being a subsidiary of LexCorp because that's now a weird government private enterprise. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's technically destruction of evidence because it's a new universe. Yeah. So we can move on from the issue of spoliation, uh, mm-hmm. but I do see uh, Supergirl having some problems with this because she did, she yeah. was clearly not a happy camper
1: no
0: uh, now I think it's we- interesting
1: how it how it combines with him rewriting himself as the paragon of truth as opposed to um you know honor or whatever that this is his truth now um so i think there there's an interesting kind of theory about that and, and you know this is who he truly wanted to be um yep
0: for humanity and again if he if they take one of the greatest supervillains of all time off the table as, you know, Hey, I just go around helping people who are starving now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, just ignore you murdering all those people. Sure. Whatever. Um, we then have uh, what I, th- which was my favorite point, a part of, of this entire series where we have a super girl uh, confronting the weather witch and the issue of is she a state actor because she comes flying out from the deo to take on a lowly criminal so does that federal jurisdiction doesn't make her appearance fighting the weather witch does that make her a state actor Mm -hmm. and what are your thoughts on is she a state actor while doing this I
1: don't know because because especially in I, I'm not super caught up on, on Supergirl, but but the DEA seems to like flip-flop back and forth from a private agency to a government agency to a private agency to a government agency. And now it's it's kind of unclear what it is because it's a Lex Core subsidiary in, in Earth Prime. And so is it now a fully private corporation that's being kind of contracted by the government um is she now a lex employee uh because um what is it? alex refers to lex as the boss right so lex is obviously signing her paychecks hopefully we're we're hoping the car gets paid by the dea um that yeah. so yeah it's 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 interesting um you know to to think because I I tend to think that it's now completely um, a private actor as opposed to a government agency. But I think we're going to have to see where where Supergirl goes with it.
0: And one way, you know, it's you know this the analysis is flipped, so it's it's kind of hard to come up with a straight answer here. But, you know, the Department of Defense will have contractors, whether it's people from Lockheed, working on things like my when my my grand paternal grandfather was on the uh, Poseidon and Polaris missile programs for a decade. Mm -hmm. And, And he was with Lockheed. So he was with the Navy working on, you know, these missiles that were supposed to go into that did go into our ballistic missile submarines. So the idea of like, well, it's still a government project. Mm-hmm. And they got guys from Lockheed running around as, you know, the techs and the engineers making the missiles work. Yeah. That could be, if, if it's the government agency on top, it's still a government agency. Mm-hmm. If it's the private, you know, company on top, and like the government is like the subsidiary of it, that's different that's yeah. really different and it's like sure we have contractors doing military service in faraway places but they're not state actors when they do that they're mm-hmm. and and it's a li- apparently from the international spy podcast the way that they you know people took out a Boca Raton who were you know the, the people kidnapping the girls and mm-hmm. you know and doing horrible things that they were basically private mercenaries that took care of that. Yeah. That way they didn't have to be subject to things like the Geneva Convention. I still have problems with that because we shouldn't just have mercenaries go out and take care of bad guys because that's what governments do. Uh, but it's this will probably be a, a point of contention in future Supergirl episodes. Yeah. Now, why it's my favorite, part of the series was the fact that we have flash and supergirl together and we have marv wolfman who wrote crisis on infinitive Earth, who killed off both of those characters in that maxi series look sweet and adorable and get their autographs and like just again the comic book nerd i was like bravo bravo and <laughs> and the way that you know, th- those actors are as, as people, it's like you can just tell like they were really enjoying it and yeah. it just it was a nice scene. Uh, but let's go to our favorite Martian uh, <laughs> who's going around helping people remember and and it's not fun. Uh, okay, no. like, hey, this is what happened uh, for those of you who didn't know what had happened here. And uh, <laughs> yeah, do you think that's battery?
1: I, I do think that, that was what I thought immediately when I saw what he was doing, especially, um, you know, we don't see what he does to, you know, we don't see his every interaction. But when he, he goes up to Ray Palmer, he just, like, s- puts his hand on his head. It's like, there's no, you know, can I, do I have permission to touch you? Like, this is what's going to happen. He's just, like, there and forcing memories on him. Um, so I, I definitely think that, um, especially those that got severe headaches and possibly brain injuries, um, from being forced to remember all of this could have a case of, of, uh, and this is, it, this, it should be noted that we're talking about the tort, the civil tort of battery, not, um, any sort of criminal, um, action. Um, but the civil tort of battery is, is, is an intentional tort um, and there's three elements to it. You need intent, um, which is not necessarily criminal intent, but it's intent to cause the act. So did John intend to put his hand on these people's heads and force them, force the memories on them? Yeah. But what's his point? <laughs> and then there's contact, which is non-consensual contact with the individual. Yeah. He's, there's a lot of, he never waits to get that permission right he never waits to get that consent he's just like here's the memories spa and you know so so there's there's the contact element and then there's harm so this could be physical mental emotional harm um, which we I we don't know the side, the brain side effects of being you know overlodged with all of these memories because I, I tend to think that you know the Paragons have their own memories, right? They remember, they kind of got placed in Earth Prime. You know, Oliver dies, they get placed in Earth Prime. Like that's, it's a continual timeline. Whereas everybody else who has these memories forced upon them, they have memories of Earth Two or Earth Prime from the beginning. And now they're being forced with this parallel memory of what happened what you lived through didn't actually happen technically the earth restarted today um and so so that has to cause not just brain damage i mean we hear several of them say that they have headaches you know it has to cause some sort of a mental damp, you know emotional distress um to your life is a lie <laughs> this was all fake until like right now so, so I definitely think they should be going after, I mean, I love John as much as anybody else, but I really think they should be recovering for, for battery.
0: Possibly because he's having a rough morning and he's like, I'm tired of explaining. <laughs> you when know, does the, you know, the, the, here, let me catch you up. And like, oh, okay. Well, now I'm having a bad day too. Yeah. So then we get, we'll uh, all have a bad let's... day together. Yeah, like, will be shared. Uh, so we then have you know the side story, you know, with a uh, Sargon the Sorcerer who's using B boat for vandalism, and yeah, you know, go, so the the giant creature going around destroying private property. That's vandalism. I mean, that's classic vandalism. And what gets a little weird is whatever the sorcerer is stealing from because there's a big vault and that could be a bank but when he steps out of the vault it doesn't look like a bank and it's like like, an old school kind of bank (laughs) yeah yeah and and again this filmed up in vancouver so maybe that's what a bank looks like there but (laughs) i i don't i mean again i've spent I'm in Vancouver, I really do like British Columbia, but I didn't hit any banks while I was there. Um, I (laughs) did find a good comic book store. Uh, I I
1: think it's a bank. I I immediately saw it and I thought like the door was gonna open behind Sarah and Barry with like some dudes with Tommy guns and, you know, hats and stuff. So that's, that's what I envisioned. It's like, this is an old school, like hold up bank type thing. Um, so yeah, I n- I never doubted it was a bank. It looks, it looks a bit like a hotel, but there's no like teller windows, but yeah.
0: So let's, let's get into like what we liked and didn't like about these last two episodes. <laughs> and you know, uh, Gabby, what worked for you and what didn't work for you?
1: Um, I'll start with what didn't work for me. Um, I was, I, by episode whatever, four and five. I was sick of the crossover references. I, I, was, I was done. I, I had the lag time to get back to reality. And coming back, I was like, stop calling. It. Nobody would call a team up a crossover that just doesn't happen. It's not proper vernacular. Like, it's just weird. It's super meta. Um, it, I just, it bothered me a lot. Um, the other thing that bothered me a lot um, was that whole shouting for Oliver. I thought that was incredibly hokey, um, you know, especially given the varying relationships that those individuals had to Oliver. I think it was just very lame. Um, but the one thing I did like, um, and I, I have liked about about the Arrowverse in general, um, is their ability to demonstrate and, and really showcase um, superhero relationships, that, you know, the relationships between the superheroes um, in a way that you don't, you truly don't get in, in the DCU, the the film universe. Um, I don't think you really got in any significant capacity in Smallville. Um, and it's just, and, and you're obviously not going to you have some of it in, in the MCU, but I think there's, you know, thinking back to like the the animated series of of the Justice League and and that kind of stuff, you really see in the DC, you, you know, the Justice League is, is so, such a tight-knit group and, and it's so historical and, and just the relationships between them. And I think that one thing the Arrowverse has done incredibly successfully is the relationship between Green Arrow and The Flash, that it, like, it was believable that they were, you know, mentor mentee friends almost brothers that you know that they're that strong bond was so because it's played out for so long and then when he was like you know when he asks him are you Oliver because he asked him if if he he trusts him and he says are you Oliver Queen and he says yes and he says you know with every cell in my body and that I was just like that is what I've been waiting to see on screen. That is what we got in the animated series. That's what we get in the comic books. And now we have it like on television and that was great
0: for me. Good points. So I, I really didn't like the fourth episode because <laughs> it deviated from the, the comic book really significantly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we have everyone off the vanishing point there's the run through the speed force and people are lost and it's the touchy feely crap that i hate about the cw shows (laughs) that's like this is this is wasting time like stop it and you know like there were story points that you could have done but you have to make it a group hug and like i just i can't stand that uh and i know it's a cw thing and i you know, there are people who do like that, but because they chose to do that, that creative choice really made the monitor look like an idiot, because Mm -hmm. in the comic, he knew uh, Harbinger was going to kill him, and so he had the plan with his tuning forks on the remaining Earth that his death would power those tuning forks and save Earths 1 and 2, and Harbinger being really upset about what she did and killing you know, her father figure who raised mm-hmm. her. She, she does a giant power play saving the other remaining Earths, pulling them into this microverse that, that the Monitor had. That's all left as a chalk outline on the floor. So the Monitor's a moron who had no game plan to save the, save the universe knowing that he was going to be murdered. And Harbinger has no redemptive arc. We next see her sitting on the couch with her husband. <laughs> that was lame. <laughs> and so there's zero redemptive arc for her. So like that really bothered me. They mm-hmm. could have had, they could have incorporated those elements from Crisis. Uh, and again, I understand maybe there was a time limit, but Wasting time in the vanishing point, and then the touchy feely crap of running through the speed force—that those were just missed opportunities, and that that bothered me. You know, the the fight at the dawn of time, like okay, that was fine. Like and and because uh, again, in the comics, it's the spectre taking on the anti-monitor, and that's what basically restarts the universe, and where we see everyone then wake up. And it's you know the Earths are mm-hmm. Now, the other thing that, that bothered me was having Lex Luthor be there at all. I mean, like that just <laughs> irritated the hell out of me. Because uh, in the comics, you know, we, you have Superman 2 uh, yeah. from Earth Two, and in our case, this would be you know ninety six, and he's mission critical. And when he wakes up and goes to work at the Daily Planet. And he quickly realizes that it's Earth's one's daily planet and nobody remembers his existence. And so his wife, his Earth are gone and he does not take that well. And there's a great scene between uh, the two supermen with the superman of Earth-1 talking down the superman of Earth-2. Uh, so get missed opportunity there. Uh I thought the like waking up with the combined earth, like that worked. I mean like that did yeah. happen in, in the in the comic. Uh but I do feel there were some missed opportunities. Uh the final fight with the monitor in the comic is better than what they did on screen. Yeah. And uh in the comic they they're in the antimatter universe because the mm-hmm. Alex Luthor, which again does Doesn't exist in this series and it would have been great if he had been because that would have given them other options. Uh, He helps open that portal and they do this final assault with like it's the two supermen. It's Wonder Woman for Earth 2 and they go take on the anti-monitor and uh, as the portal is closing it's Superman from Earth 2 decides I'm going to stop this and it's Superboy who also sticks around? So it's uh, so the re- people who are the last line of defense. It's mm-hmm. Alex Luthor, it's Superboy, and it's the the original Superman. You know, from from the 1930s. You know, the the original, and it's him breaking out the whoop-ass lamp,
1: <laughs> taking
0: on the Anti-Monitor, and it is glorious. Uh, it's a glorious slugfest, and he does punch. The anti-monitor into a star uh in the antimatter universe and uh the anti-monitor comes out of it with superman i will not die until you die so i mean like it is all of reality on the line and it's it's the first hero in this massive fight and yeah. it does have a happy ending uh because it's alex luthor and it's actually Darkseid firing power through Alex Luthor in order to help knock the Animonitor back. And it's Alex Luthor who actually created a pocket universe, saving the original Lois. And they all go through that pocket universe and we don't see them for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So the, in my view, the final battle, again, it's constrained by TV. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a TV budget. So the fact they're in a parking lot all in a the parking hum- lot or a pier? It looked like yeah, a pier to me. It's uh, yeah, and probably it was because you can look like that going on to a pier. Uh, all the humans should have been killed in a heartbeat,
1: yeah. So <laughs> I, like- I love, I love Diggle is because I think Alex and 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 wild dog both have two wet, two uh, guns. But Diggo's fucking walking in there with just one pistol! And I think it's great! I think I was just like, Yep, this dude doesn't have anything but one pistol against these shadow demons. Like, I support it. I support that level of confidence.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, at what <laughs> point do you call in the army? Because the army could really be helpful in fighting the shadow demons. So yeah. the, the armed forces should be engaged in this battle as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but taking in you know, the comics, taking on the anime monitor was like you send in every heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. Well, in in this Arrowverse, the heavy hitters are Superman, Supergirl, Martian Manhunter, mm-hmm. maybe Adam, but that's it. The mm-hmm. others should have been killed in a heartbeat, except for Flash, who could outrun it. So just. That last fight kind of bothered me until the monitor, anti-monitor, pardon me, the anti-monitor grew. And then mm-hmm. it was just the heavy hitters taking him on. Yeah. Because uh, the others realized, oh, we, are, we don't belong here. Like, yeah. we will go fight some shadow demons. The Kryptonians and the Martian can handle this. We're out. Yeah. Um, the, again, they, they had to defeat him using TV tech basically, <laughs> and the, the comic universe that's been created through the Arrowverse is not the same as, you know, the DC universe in 1985. It's
1: mm-hmm. so like,
0: I, I accept there are some things that have to be different, but the fact that Harbringer is just sidelined and there's no redemption for her bothered me, and that the Monitor had no plan to save the day bothered me, and I just, Luther annoyed me. And <laughs> like, and again, while we all focus on love and everything that we think about to restart the universe, it's like, stop it. You know, like that doesn't need to happen. Um, so again, I do have mixed feelings, but this I, is a team.
1: I'm the same. I mean, the the final battle like kind of frustrated me because, if you look at that battle and the battle in elseworlds and the battle in the crossover before that like from from the battle that they've the from the crossover they brought supergirl in it looks like they keep finding an empty lot in vancouver and shooting it like it's the same fight they just change what they're fighting the cgi character they're fighting and it's it's quite frustrating to me um because this was like supposed to be the big big battle and and you really didn't get that um, and so so I think you know that that kind of drove me a little nuts and and the other thing that that frustrated me and I didn't find this out until after I had watched it um, is the fact that um, they kind of concluded the Arrowverse um, or the Oliver Queen story um, in the way they did that they they finalized it in Elseworlds and they're using the final two episodes as a backdoor pilot. I think, to me, that cheapens everything the show has done, Um, instead of, you know, that he, this main character got his send-off in a crossover, as opposed to a send-off on his own show, on his own time, in his own storyline. I I was crying, especially because it was just kind of like, oh, we made the statue for him. Like, yay, he got a shout-out from the president, yay! Like, it just, it felt very cheap to me and it felt very, um, you know, like, why did I put eight seasons into this um, if this was going to be the result? So it just, that frustrated me a lot because I was like, CW has the money to to put on a, a separate pilot. They don't have to, they don't have to make a backdoor pilot um, for a spinoff. I mean, they're, they're, their pilots are always successful. You know, they don't they don't have to do that that way and it's just it's quite
0: frustrating and annoying well and there was just there was just too much talking it's like okay we now have a president who's giving a speech thank you for outing oliver queen in a way (laughs) in a way that could harm everyone that he loves yeah good job because others who was like people could figure out dingle from there so it's it's like thanks um, don't do that. Uh, and then, then we have other eulogies again in the ho- you know, the, the Hall of Justice and like, and that was like, ah, stop beating the horse. like we- you s- dropped action in order for people to talk more. And while I did again, being someone who was a child at the end of the seventies, I did watch the super friends and i did appreciate the music i did appreciate you know like you know, the set and having the table but there's a lot of time just sitting around that table and it's like they're not doing anything yeah. it's like it's not <laughs> like a meal comes out or anything like that it's, <laughs> so again that was just like they were just having nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia yeah and and, and they like, have
1: this random like fire pit slash Monument kind of in the middle of a hangar. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: On the flip flip side, I I'll probably start watching Black Lightning now because I did enjoy that character <laughs> and the dialogue with like, well, like, just how often does the Earth get threatened and everyone kind of looks down. And it's like, oh, oh, well, it's like it's like that. that works? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: (laughs) I mean, I mean, honestly, Black Lightning's eulogy was the best where he leans over to Barry and he's like, I never met Oliver, but he seems like a good dude. And I was like, that's all you needed. (laughs) That's all
0: you needed. (laughs) Yep. And we're done, you know, and so again, just (laughs) tighten up the writing. You know, you had Oliver and you know, you know, throughout the season, you know, like talk to the monitor and what looks like the space platform. That could have been. They, that's what the fight with the anti-monitor could have looked like, at least. Yeah. And you know, you send in the strike team to to take them on. Yeah, but it's not what they did. So again, I I'm grateful for what we had.
1: What are What are your feelings on on the? use of the catchphrase by Oliver in fighting the anti-monitor.
0: <laughs> I didn't, forced, you know, it, 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 absolutely. You have No, I just like, I groaned when, when you have the universe, stop it, you know, like that worked when you were murdering, you know, criminals. It doesn't work now. And, I mean, I appreciate the fact that they had him become the Specter in order to give him a big ticket, you know, send off. Because an Archer versus the Anti Monitor is not going to end well.
1: But it wasn't uh, even that much of a big ticket send off. It was, it was very kind of late. I think they could have made him the Specter and then concluded him as the Specter in his own storyline. Like that, I think would have been better than what we got.
0: Well, that and you know, in in the Green Lantern comic, and this goes back a ways, that you know Hal Jordan dies saving, reigniting the sun, and he turns into into the Spectre, and they have years of stories with him appearing as the Spectre. They could have done something like that, so they're ah, they they were limited by the number of characters that they had mm-hmm. because in in the Comic, Crisis, there are other characters who are involved in saving the day. And those characters aren't in the Arrowverse. We don't have the Golden Age Green Lantern with the magic green ring, nor all the sorcerers working together to get all the shadow demons off the Earth. Like there's just stuff that, um, because in the comic at the end, uh, Earth gets pulled into the antimatter universe. And mm-hmm. so it's about getting the earth out of the antimatter universe and fighting to save the day. Again, they didn't do that. <laughs> so it's just, uh, so again, just, I, I don't want to be angry comic book guy, but I am a little right now because they, they took the source material and some of it was a chef's kiss of, of healthy nostalgia. And then there was just like a lot of wimping out uh, on the flip side, having, you know, the, the, the movie flash appear like, okay, that was nice fan service. Like that worked for me. And like, you know, both of them like, Oh, uh, Oh, wow. This seems breathable. Oh, this seems safe. Like, okay. Like they totally get being Barry and they did a good job of Barry's interacting. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was very nice. However, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. Uh, however, like if they—that was the only part. That was the only redeeming thing of the Speed Force storyline. Um, yeah, I just I wish it followed a little bit more of the comic, and because mm-hmm. they still could have done it, even with the TV budget, they could have used more of the comic elements, and because um, in the comic, Heartbringer like goes from like extreme guilt of like what have I done and then sucks it up with like I got a plan and like this is what I'm going to do to save three other earths yeah cool as opposed to we're going to see her on the couch watching tv (laughs) dude like that just that just so rubbed me the wrong way Uh, but again I'm not going to fault them for the budget that they have and the limitations that they had uh, maybe if this had been like seven or eight episodes they could have done more mm-hmm. uh but i think they probably they probably could have pulled it off with seven and if they had completely reworked the fourth episode uh it it, it could have been different it could have been different but there was just too much talking now the one positive uh I, I do adore Supergirl just because her f- the way the actress can portray, like, joy, like, with, mm-hmm. like, oh, look, Kate's here, and, like, and just, like, looking happy and, like, you know, Barry looking at her, like, dude, <laughs> like, it's, like, yeah. time and place. Um, or unveiling the table at the end, again, the look of pure joy. Yeah. Like, the look okay. that, like, free ice cream, like, she has that, she does that so well. And um, I think again. I think
1: that was that their the acting of um, Melissa Benoist and Grant Gustin in in the crossover I think they're just so perfect. I mean that last scene of Kara looking so overjoyed and Barry looking like he's like this is so cool. Like look what I like. They're such nerds and and they play it so well that they're like these little kids that you know got superpowers and and I think I think they you know do such a good job I thought that particular moment of I could have done without everybody else but like just the two of them interacting um in that last scene was was very on point
0: yep and Superman would have known he had a second kid you know like he wasn't (laughs) it's just he 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 would have Remembered that because he wasn't there at the reset, so uh that was very confusing. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, he would know. He'd like, he would have gotten that memo. It's not. He, it's not like she went there. to
1: a, a shelter and like randomly adopted a second kid without <laughs> him knowing. Surprised? Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, she's not Cindy McCain bringing home a. A kid from bangladesh (laughs) (laughs) surprise uh uh, and for the record cindy did the right thing i stand with cindy but uh (laughs) yeah again really mixed feelings um and it's because i again i'm 45 i grew up reading comics and the fact that we have what five different comic book tv shows on no is it six on the CW that's awesome a lot (laughs) yeah never thought I would see that in my lifetime and the majority of them are good so again, I I am grateful I just and I was grateful to see Marv Wolfman uh I just I wish a little I wish some things had been written differently
1: yeah but I think that's like a, an overarching problem with the CW. I mean, you kind of saw it in, in um, nowhere more significantly than the shift of Supergirl from CBS to CW. The writing just shifted significantly. and And I think that's just what happens when you have a network that's geared towards teenagers and young adults. Um, the writing is going to be kind of dramatic and, and clearly it's, it's working for them, like, you know, they clearly have a format and it's works. And Um, so why mess, you know, with something that's, that's not broken. So, you know, but, but it's good overall to get the kind of quality, uh, superhero stuff we're getting that we're definitely not getting from the DC, um, universe on screen
0: right now. <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, Except for
1: Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman is good.
0: Yeah, I love Wonder Woman. Well, again, Patty Jenkins, obviously loves and cares and you know about the character and and the source material, and like it works. Uh, it's amazing what happens when you go. So what are the core elements of this character? Make <laughs> a movie focused on that. Okay, so will Wonder Woman need to snap anyone's neck? Hmm, not she did that to Max Lord, so maybe, yeah, but like that's not a norm for her, uh, certainly not a norm for Superman. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I digress, I digress. Um, so with that, I, I, I'm grateful for having this. I just wish it had been a little different. Mm-hmm. Plus, we do get lots of legal analysis. Um, mm-hmm yeah good times good times and and you know what i did i did like i know rory you know going by rebecca and writing romance Mm -hmm. novels you know and him interacting with killer frost (laughs) like that was again like just like the snarky interplay between the actors they do that well so um, more of that plays yes so with that, everyone, thank you for tuning in. We, we definitely will have more. And uh, Gabby, thank you for your time this evening. And everyone, stay geeky. Stay geeky, America.